Again, so good to see you here this morning. What a wonderful thing just to worship the Lord and to come into his presence, amen. What a privilege to come into the, the presence of Almighty God through faith in Jesus and by his precious blood that has cleansed us and made us whole before him. I want you, if you would, to open with me your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. Read with me, if you would, verses 19 and 20. This will be our main, this will be our main text for this morning. Proverbs 24, 19. Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked. For there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. Now this is a... a a thought, a teaching, and a truth from God's Word that's repeated several places. I'm surprised how often that it is repeated through the Psalms and through the Proverbs, and the teaching and the lesson and the truth of it is repeated all through Scripture. We see it. But there are two admonitions that are given to us in verse 19. Fret not yourself because of evil men. Secondly, neither be thou envious at the wicked. And we can, as human beings, we can be inclined to both of those. We can be inclined to fret ourselves because of evil men. And we can be inclined to uh, be envious of the wicked. I'm not saying that you are those things. I'm saying as human beings, we could fall into that trap. We could fall into that temptation. That's why the admonition is here. Don't do it. Don't do either of these things. Don't fret yourself because of evil men. And don't be envious at wicked men around you, okay? And so this is what the Bible teaches us. And we see it throughout, and there's, we watch the news. We are living, y'all, in, in unprecedented times. We are living in a time in the history of mankind, in the history of the world, that's never been exactly like this. We're seeing things on a global scale. We're seeing a deception on a global scale. We're seeing a rise of the spirit of Antichrist on a, on a global scale that we've never seen before. There's always been, from the Garden of Eden, we've seen the spirit of Satan, you know, tempting and so forth. But the increase is what I'm talking about, the increase. It's just like the Bible said it's going to be. It's just exactly, you ought to take heart. We don't take heart because they're evil men. We take heart because it's the, my, my Lord told me in his word, this is how it's going to be. Okay, this is how it's going to be as we get close to the rapture of the, ter- the church and all the end times things that are going to unfold. Now, this is not particularly an end times sermon, but I want us to know that, that when we see these things unfolding around us, that we're to take heart. We're to take heart. We're to look up for our redemption draws nigh, the Bible says. We're to keep our eyes on Jesus. But we watch the news as much as we can stomach of it. We watch the news, we hear the reports, we see the increase of evil men, we see even within the churches, the spirit of deception and at work and, and, and things like that. We see, um, we see the traps being set, that's what I would liken it to, we see, we see traps being set for the righteous, we see those schemes of wicked men actually coming to pass. 
you maybe have heard about it, talked about for many years, but we actually are living in a day where we're seeing it take place. We're seeing the schemes of wicked men enacted, I guess you would say. And we, we, we see them at every level and at every, every part of society. We see wicked men and their schemes. We see them in government. We see them in society. We see them on the rise. We see, and what's very can be very disheartening, we see the wicked praised as being good. And we see the righteous and those that are trying to serve God and follow after, after God and stand for his word and for truth and what's right. We see them uh, uh, chastised and ridiculed and put out of, out of society and punished as being bad. I know there's a pastor in Canada that's, it's last I heard, I said it recently, he's in solitary confinement simply for trying to keep his church doors open and, and doing what he feels God would have him to do. We see, we see it and we see men, uh, often righteous men, suffering at the hands of the wicked. We see it. We, we hear about it. We, we know of, of instances and we hear about it. And David said in the Psalms, he was not a stranger to this, by the way. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death. I'm suffering at the hands of them that hate me. And we're seeing this more and more. And the tendency can be, and we're human beings, we're saved by, and we're saved by grace through faith. But the tendency can be as still as we're in these human frail bodies and to, to fret and to worry and to become afraid. We can get afraid. Amen. We can become afraid. David said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. It's not if I'm afraid or I'll never get afraid, he doesn't say. What time I am afraid, I'm going to trust in you. Because he understood what it meant to be afraid. He also knew what it meant to understand, uh, to understand that when I'm afraid, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. Okay, we're going to put our trust in the Lord, but we can, by looking at what's going on around us, we can become afraid, we can become troubled, we can become distracted, we can lose our peace. Have you lost your peace at any point in the last year and a half with all that's going on or two years? We can become, lose our peace, we can lose our joy, we can become angry, we can be, uh, come to where we, we can't sleep at night. Anybody lost any sleep over some of the things that are going on? Uh, we come to a place where we can't enjoy our day. We just get up and we're not having any joy in the day. We can't enjoy our time with our family. Uh, we lose our sense of victory. I'm not going to say we lose our victory in Christ because he gave us that victory. He purchased it for us. But we can certainly fail to walk in the victory that the Lord has given us at any given moment or day or week or month or year. So we don't lose our victory in Christ, but we can fail to walk in our victory in Christ. And what happens? We can fret ourselves because of evil men. We begin to fret. So I want to give a definition of what it means to fret. Maybe we don't use that word a whole lot. It means to blaze up in anger. It means to be displeased. It means to grieve or to be hot. And so we hear what wicked men are doing. Something happens today. Something's, something's going to come to your ears today where the progressive anti-Christian agenda is, is forwarded a little bit more. You're going to hear about it. You're going to see it with your own eyes. 
we're going to hear about it a little bit more. And we see what the wicked are doing. And what, what can happen is, y'all, we begin to dwell on that. We begin to mull it over in our minds. And just picture yourself doing it. We mull it over and over, and then we kind of take up residency there. In other words, we stay there. We stay on, this is so unjust. This is so unrighteous. This is so ungodly. This is how, how are the wicked prospering. And, and, and we, we can think on it and think on it and think on it. We stay there, and guess what? Now I'm hot. Now I'm mad. Or now I'm afraid. Now I'm bothered by the evil men that are around me. And what happens to us, our vision gets clouded. Our, our faith can become weak. My thoughts become clouded and disturbed. Now I'm occupied. What happens is I'm occupied with the ungodly. I'm, un, I'm occupied and preoccupied with the uh, evil men that are around me. The Bible says evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. That's an increase, right? Worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. And we get occupied with the ungodly around us and their works. Our heart becomes troubled. And instead of rejoicing in the Lord always, I'm angry always. Or I'm afraid always. Or I'm depressed always. Or I'm edgy. Or I'm ill-tempered. And we don't have the solution to it. Just in ourselves, we don't have the solution to it. But we think about it all the time. We can't do that, y'all. I mean, this is simple admonition that we cannot do that. We cannot be preoccupied. We understand it. We see it. We're not ignorant of it. We're not trying to be ignorant of it. We're not trying to hide and pretend like it's not going on. But we cannot be occupied with the ungodly and their agenda and their works and their schemes and their success, if you want to call it that, their short-term success. And what happens is we allow ourselves to fret over the lives of evil men and their works. And that's never what we're called to do. Never what we're called to do. Jesus said, uh, he says, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, right? In this world, you're going to have tribulations. Aren't you glad he told us that? So we're not surprised. We thought it was going to all, every day was going to just be this rosy, perfect day. And it's not. He told us in this world, this world, not that world, this world, we're going to have tribulations. But be of good cheer. Why, Lord? Why be of good cheer? Because I'm going to have tribulations. He says, because I've overcome the world. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot be occupied and preoccupied with the evil and the evil men around us. And so we could fret ourselves over evil men. But it says, don't fret over evil men. Neither be thou envious at the workers of iniquity. Now, that sounds like a strange thing to say to a righteous person or to a person of faith or a Christian or an Old Testament saint, somebody that's trusted in the Lord. Don't be envious of the wicked. You know why he's telling us that? Because it's possible to be envious of the wicked. It's possible to be envious of the wicked. We hate every evil way. We hate every false way. But if we're honest with ourselves, there could be a time. There could be times when we are actually envious or jealous of the wicked. We're going to get into this in just a little bit more. I'm not saying that you are. I'm saying it's possible to be. And I'm saying that even as Christians, we could fall into this trap. It's a sin. Don't do it. We're told not to do it. We're told many times in Scripture, don't do it. Don't fret over evil men and don't be envious 
of the wicked. What can we be envious of the wicked? Well, they seem to be successful. They seem to get away with murder. They seem to be successful. Uh, they seem to be the ones that receive all the praise, and, and they do, and the accolades of other worldlings, you know, of society in, in this lost world, in this system of antichrist. They, they, they're prospered. They're successful from what we can see. Uh, their sins, we could be even envious of the sins that they're seeming to get away with. And so we, we would denounce their wickedness, and rightfully so, and yet inwardly it's possible to be envious of the wicked, to be jealous of them. We want what they have, I would say, in, in a temporal life. But don't be, don't be envious of the wicked, the Bible says. I want to read this. Don't read this from David says in the Psalms, The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. I was surprised just as I was studying this how many times that, if not that exact phrasing, that exact thought is taught in the word of God. I'm going to read it again. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. Do you love the Lord? He's preserving you. He's taking care of you. Don't be envious of the wicked. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but the wicked he will destroy. That's the unrepentant wicked. That's the wicked that don't come to faith in Christ and turn from their sins and give their lives to the Lord. That is a truth. It's a simple truth. It's a powerful truth, and we need to hang on to it. And we need to believe it, amen, in our day. We know that what the wicked are doing is not right. And we know it's not right to envy the wicked. But sometimes, and this is when it happens, y'all, when we look away from the Lord, when we look away from the Lord, and we're never to look away from the Lord, and we put our eyes on men and circumstances, we put our eyes on the haves and the have-nots. We start comparing ourselves to other men and other people. And we start looking away from Christ. And we look to things and people. And we can almost come to think, we don't think it. We know that the, the, the thought is false. But we can almost come to think, man, the wicked, that, that's the way to live. We would never say that. We would never in a million years as a Christian utter those words. That that's the way to live like the wicked. But we almost come to think, that's the way to live. That's the way to blessing. We know better. We know the truth. But listen, it happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we focus on people and we focus on circumstances. It doesn't take long. We can quickly err. We can quickly stray from the truth. We can quickly become discouraged. It happens. It's happened to me before. We can quickly doubt the goodness of God. We can quickly become to doubt the faithfulness of God. Doesn't everything he teaches from the word and by the Holy Ghost being our teacher, the spirit of truth, tell us that God is faithful? Doesn't every, every turn, every page of the Bible tell us the faithfulness of God? And yet we begin to doubt it when we take our eyes off of this faithful God and begin to look, oh, what just happened in Canada? What happened in here? What happened in this election? What happened? What's happened in government? What's happened... Uh, you know, at the university, whatever, what, whatever's happening, we quickly can become discouraged. We begin to doubt the, the goodness of God. We begin to doubt the faithfulness of God. We begin to doubt the word of God. It was when Peter 
took his eyes off of Jesus, and you know this so well, when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. Peter actually walked on water. He was a, a man just like you and me. He says, Lord, if it's really you out there on the water, bid me to come unto you. Jesus says, come. She, Peter walked on the water. That's what the Bible says. He walked on the water. There were waves. There was water under him. There was waves around him. There was a wind blowing. It's nighttime. It's scary. You're out there on the water. He's walking on the water, and he's doing just fine. It is when he took his eyes off of Jesus, the waves were there before. The waves were there when he first started walking on the water. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus Christ and focused on, oh, my goodness, there's no way, there's no way. This, this is too much for me to stand upon this water. The waves are too much. The wind's too, too much. The, the storm's too much, whatever. The water's too deep. He began to sink. He didn't sink when his eyes were on the Lord. He walked straight on the water. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to walk on the water. He wants us to walk uh, he has set us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. We're not in denial. We understand clearly what's going on, but he wants us to walk in victory. He's given us the victory. He wants us to walk in it. And in order for us to walk in it, there have to be challenges, and there have to be trials and tribulations and a real enemy, and he's out there. And we have to see the wicked men increasing and all that and to still walk right over the top of that in faith in Jesus Christ, and sleep like a baby at night because he gives his beloved sleep and not lose sleep over it and not fret ourselves and not become envious. They're getting away with it. That's the blessed way to live. Look how they're prospering. That could be our thoughts. Now, I want you to turn with me in your Bible because you might know where we're going, but turn to Psalm 73 because this is uh, God gave us this chapter. This was a real man named Asaph. He was a chief musician. He wrote, I think, 10 or 11 of the Psalms he wrote. <clears throat> and Psalm 73 is the first of like 10 in a row that Asaph wrote. He was a contemporary of David. Uh, David wrote most of the Psalms. But Asaph wrote a few, and he wrote this one, and it's a personal testimony. And I can say, thank you, God, for giving us Asaph's testimony here in the Bible. We're going to read a good portion of this, but first let's read the first three verses. Psalm 73, 1, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. So he knew that. He knew the goodness of God right off the bat and to the righteous, okay? Listen, this is his sometime in the past. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Here it is. Here it is. He was a godly man. He wrote these beautiful psalms. He was a chief musician that sang and, and led the worship in the tabernacle and so forth. And the true praises unto God. And he feared God and knew the Lord. And he knew the goodness of God. But at this time that he's referring to and past, my feet were almost, uh, what did he say, my, my uh, feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slip, slipped. He knew the goodness of God. He knew the faithfulness of God. But at this point, he's focusing on something else. And in this condition, his faith is, is being under attack. And he's staggering. So I began to think about what was, what was affected. He says, my feet, my steps. It was his walk with the Lord. It was his foundation and what he, what he walked upon. I don't think his doctrine changed. 
I don't think, it, you know, the heaven and hell. and I don't think any of that changed. But his walk was almost gone. He says it. Almost gone. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. It was his foundation. It was his walk with the Lord. His world seemed to be turned upside down. We can do this. We can, we can be in that state that Asaph was in. His world was turned all upside down. All he had trusted in, it seemed to be slipping away from him. Well, when did this happen? Verse 3, I was envious of the foolish. When? When did it happen, Asaph? I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So what's he looking at now? The wicked men have always been around Asaph. Wicked men have always been around you and me. Are they increasing? Yes. Are there, is their prominence increasing? Yes. But he says, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, he knew it was foolish. He calls them wicked. So he's rightly calling it out. Now, this is foolish. I'm foolish to do this. They're wicked people. But he says, I was. I was envious. I was envious at the prosperity of the wicked. He says, when I saw that prosperity, when I saw it, and I began to think it matters what we look at, y'all. It matters what we look at. It matters what we set before our eyes. It matters what we focus on. If day and night I'm focusing on the wealth and prosperity and the power and the prestige and the accolades heaped on wicked men or their wicked schemes being enacted, and I'm saying, oh, no, I feel like the noose is tightening around the church of Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the noose is tightening around the neck of free speech or freedom of religion and so forth. It's being uh, you know, choked out. If my focus is upon that and I'm just looking at that, I'm going to become angry. I'm going to become fearful, fearful. I'm going to be depressed. And here, Asaph actually became envious. R.A. Torrey is one of my favorites. I've quoted this quote before. It's such a simple little story. He's preaching at a big crusade and a big gathering, and partway through the sermon, he sees one of his old buddies that he knew in Christ from years back. It was a wonderful, strong, believing man. He came and he sat down on the front, front row right in front of Torrey so he couldn't help but see him, and he watched him uh, as he was preaching. He kept noticing this man, troubled countenance, fearful, depressed, just a trouble on his countenance. And so when the sermon was over and the meeting was over, he went to his friend and he says, What's, brother so and so, what's happened? Have you taken your eyes off of the Savior? Now, we don't even need to hear the answer of the man's reply to it. The, to me, the, the point is the question Have you taken your eyes off of the Savior? He had. And because he had taken his eyes off of the Savior, at some point in his life, he was troubled, he was fearful, he was angry or whatever it may have been. It matters what we look at. It matters uh, if we focus in on Christ or we are focusing on wicked men around us or circumstances and situations. I know that people keep up with the news by these blogs and by different things, you know, we, this podcast and this blog, and I'm not opposed to that. But, y'all, if we're preoccupied and if we don't have any sleep at night and we're troubled and have stomach ulcers and we can't have any joy of the Lord in our, on our faces, in our countenance, or in our hearts, or peace, or joy in our days because of it, then turn it off. Turn it off. 
There's some good stuff out there. There's some foolish stuff out there. I don't have time personally to listen to any of it, so I don't. I know in my spirit what's going on in the world. I can tell. I know this as much as I can, and I know the Lord, and I can see the darkness around me, what's happening. But I want us to read a description just real briefly that Asaph, what was he looking at? What, where was the prosperity of the wicked that he saw? Read in verse 4. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. He's describing wicked people that he actually knew. He says, their, their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compassed them about as a chain. Violence covered them as, with a, as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. Now, just listen to what he's saying. It's not, it's not uh, a lie. It's just what he was focusing on and what he was seeing. He's not seeing the whole picture, okay? They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouths against the heavens. So they're not just bad people. They've set their mouths and are speaking out loud against the heavens and the God of heaven. They set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue walketh through the earth. Skip down to verse 11 and 12. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? I would say, yes, there is. Amen. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. That's not a lie. It's just not the whole picture, is it? It's not the whole picture. And so this was actually where Asaph, at some point in his life, before he wrote this, this was his mindset. This is where he was. His feet in, were, were slipping. His faith in Jesus, in the, in the Lord, uh, Jehovah, was slipping. He had come to a conclusion, a wrongful conclusion, Based on what he observed, these wicked men are just prospering. They're prospering. They don't have any troubles. See, the righteous over here, including myself, Asaph, since serving God, and I got all kinds of troubles in my life. And the wicked is just every day is a wonderful day. Every day they hit the lottery. It's just perfect for them. And he, he, was, he saw the prosperity of the wicked. He had seen it, and he made a conclusion based upon it. And we need to bring those thoughts captive. You and I need to bring those thoughts captive because they're a lie. The whole, the whole overall picture is a lie. God says this about the wicked and about the righteous, but that's not what I've seen. That's kind of what Asaph was doing. I, I know he says he blesses the righteous, but I've, I've seen the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that we're to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what we need to do. So I need to know the word of God. And I need to meditate on the word of God. And I need to go before the Lord in prayer. And say my thoughts aren't right now. God I'm jealous of the wicked. I'm envious Lord forgive me. Help me to bring these thoughts captive. I know that it's wrong. I know that in the end. You're going to justify. The righteous. And bless and prosper the righteous. But. He said the whole thought was too painful for him. He was, it really hurt him. The whole thought that the, the wicked are getting away with it and blessed and prosperous and the, and the righteous are suffering, the whole thought was too painful for him, he said. He's probably thinking, why in the world have I tried so hard? 
to serve God and to walk uprightly before the Lord? Well, he's going to give the answer here, and God's going to straighten him out. Look at verse 13. Verily, he says, I've cleansed my heart in vain. This is what he thought. I've washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It was too painful for me. And I say, hallelujah, God didn't leave the man like this. And he's not going to leave you like that. He's not going to leave us like that. And we don't have to repeat the same error that Asaph did. But I'm thankful that we have this in the word of God. What does it say in verse 17? Until I went, so there was an end to it. Hallelujah. It didn't last forever. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. Then I understood their end. It was all straightened out just in a moment. His foot, feet were slipping. His steps were slipping. It was too painful for him to think about it. He was envious of the wicked and their prosperity. And I've chastened, he even said, I've chastened myself and try to walk in innocency before the Lord. It's all in vain. I did it in vain until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. And I want to say thank you, Lord, that he's patient with our foolishness. Thank you, Lord. That he's not going to leave us in such a state. Asaph, I'll tell you this right now. Asaph didn't die being envious of the wicked. Asaph didn't die thinking it was vain to serve Jehovah. There's three things he came to see. He came to see the end of the wicked. You can put them in any order you want to. He came to see the end. Not their temporary success. He came to see the end of the wicked. He came to see his own foolishness for being envious of the wicked. And he came to see the perfect faithfulness of God. He came to see it all in a moment. Let's keep reading a little bit further. 18 and 19. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casteth them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. God, guess what? They're not just prospering and getting away with it. It just seems like it for a little while. And what you can see and what I can see with our eyes, we see uh, ungodly men in great success and great power, and they're doing, seemingly doing what they want to the righteous. So they're coming to sudden destruction. Verse 21, thus was my heart grieved. So he came under conviction, and I was pricked in my reign. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Now he's starting to count his blessings. I was foolish. I was a beast. How stupid I was. What was I thinking? To be envious of the wicked. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you, Lord. Thou hast holden me up by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is no man... No one upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. Two more verses. For lo, they are far from thee. They that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them 
that go a whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I might declare all his works. No, nowhere do we see anybody other than Jesus who's perfect. You can dig into Moses' life. You can dig into Abraham's life. You can dig into uh, uh, any, any Bible person you want to and any person outside of the Bible that we respect like a Hudson Taylor or a George Mueller and so forth, and we dig into their lives, we're going to find they were sinners saved by grace. They were sinners saved by grace. We're going to find out that even when they were, had been born again and were walking with God and serving God, they were some type of failure. Doesn't have to be huge and notable like David committing adultery and murder, but there's some type of failure. And so with Asaph, we see there was some point, past tense, where he was envious of the wicked. He realized how foolish he was. God showed him the truth. God set him straight. I'll say this, God can fix it. God can fix us when we start doing that. We, we need to remind it, be reminded, and I'm bringing this to a close. We need to be reminded of a few things from the Bible, from the Word of God, that Almighty God, first of all, is Almighty. He's Almighty. The wicked men are not Almighty. They're mighty. And their breath, God, their breath is in God's hands. Their breath is in God's hands. They won't inhale one more time if God doesn't give it to them to carry out their wicked plans, okay? Almighty God is almighty. And another thing about our God is that he's patient with sinners. He's patient with foolish men. Thank God he's patient with you. He's patient with me, all right? But he's also a God of justice, and he delights in righteous judgment. The Bible tells us that. He doesn't wing and turn the other way. He's not lax or slack. He doesn't uh, let things slide. It's all judged in Christ, in Christ or out of Christ, and he delights in righteous judgment. He will not forget the cause of them that put their trust in him. He didn't forget Asaph. Asaph went and said, I need to go pray about this thing. And he went to the sanctuary, him and God, and God opened his eyes and said, you've been a fool, Asaph. Wicked, you're, you're jealous of him? You're jealous of them? Can I show you what's going to happen to them? Can I show you how quickly it's going to happen and how utter the destruction is going to be? Don't be envious of them. Don't be envious of them, Asaph. You keep serving me. You keep walking with me. I've got you. I'm upholding you by my right hand. I'm going to keep you. You keep your trust in me, Asaph. I've got this, and I've got you. That's what he's telling us. That's what he's telling us. The Lord, and, and Reynolds quoted this morning in Sunday school, the Lord is not unrighteous to forget your labor and that, you, and that you've shown towards his name, and that you have ministered and do minister to the saints. God's not unrighteous to forget our service to him, our walk with him, our obedience to him, and so forth. He's going to remember, and he's going to judge us. So I'll close with this. Our eyes must be firmly and unwaveringly fixed upon the Lord. It doesn't take but a moment for me to take my eyes off the Lord and say, like Peter, Look at those waves. Look at that law that was just passed. I wonder if we're going to be able to keep our church doors open. Look at that that's going on over there. Look how the righteous were kicked out of society or the Christians are kicked out of, of this and the ungodly are prospering. Look how they're tightening their noose. At every level, local, state, federal government, we see this wickedness and so forth around us. And we see it, you know, it seems like it happened overnight, but it's been in the process. And, and yet... 
we, our eyes need to be on the Lord and fixed upon Christ and say, I'm not going to be envious of them and I'm not going to fret myself about them. God said it was going to be this way. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. He's got me. He's got me in his hands. He's going to keep me. Despite what we see around us, God is eternally faithful. Amen. And I'm going to close with this. D, you can come if you would. Turn with me, and we'll just read this together. Psalm 37. Read this with me. Psalm 37, 1 through 4. Fret not thyself. Does that sound familiar? Because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. What does he tell us to do? Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Skip down to verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. This is what we're supposed to do. doesn't mean we're lazy and we don't do anything. It means our, on our hearts we're resting in the Lord. We're not fretting because of circumstances and people around us. And Fret not thyself. In any wise, fret not thyself of, because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Y'all stand with me this morning. This is our, our word for this morning. Uh, we understand our times. We are to understand the times in which we live. We need to see biblically where am I, where am I, am I on God's timeline? Where, where am I exactly? And we see we're in this area this space of time before Jesus raptures his church and then all these things, uh, the Antichrist will come to power and there'll be a great tribulation on the earth for seven years and the Lord will come back and we'll be coming back with him. But we're in that time prior to that, just prior to that. And we need to see where we are and we need to understand and we need to keep our eyes upon the Lord, y'all. I don't have to identify every demon that's out there and every false doctrine, every person in government that's, you know, bringing wicked devices to pass. We see it. We know. We know what God shows us. But we do need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We do need to keep our trust in the Lord. He doesn't want you to have a stomach ulcer. He doesn't want you to be at night, up at night, tossing and turning. He don't want you to throw a, a football through the TV screen because you see what's going on. Or take a baseball bat to, you know, your computer when you're watching some, what the wicked are getting away with. He wants us to keep our eyes on the Lord. We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are. That's us. We're the head and not the tail. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He's holding us in his hands. And we belong to him. And he's chosen us, y'all, to be part of his kingdom on the earth. 
for such a time as this. He didn't didn't choose Moses or David or Samuel. or He chose us to represent him on this earth for such a time as this. Help us. We need to pray. God, help us. I'm going to open the altar. It's open. You come and pray. Father, I pray that you would help us not to fret ourselves because of evil men. I also pray you'd help us not to be envious of their seeming success and their prosperity in their wickedness. They're soon going to be cut off, Lord. But they that put their trust in in their Lord are going to inherit the earth, you said. And so, Father, we come before you and we ask that you'd set our minds right, you'd set our hearts right, you take what's wrong. Like Asaph Seth said, how, how foolish I was. How foolish I was. Set our hearts and minds right and get us out of our own foolishness, God. Deliver us from fear. What time we're afraid, we're going to trust in you, Lord God. And help us to be bold in this hour and help us to be compassionate in this hour. And help us to be compassionate for wicked men and sinners. That if they don't repent, Lord, they're going to they're going to go to hell and they're going to be destroyed forever and ever. But they could be saved, Lord. Give us your compassion for them, but don't let us be envious of them, God. And don't let us be troubled and fret because of them. Help us to be what you've called us to be in this hour. Help us to keep our eyes focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that Almighty God is Almighty, and you're our God. And we love you this morning, God. Strengthen your people. For such a time as this, strengthen us and fill us with your spirit, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.